Welcome to the Better Bozo. we're the better bozos but that's not the point we're just the creators of the better bozo and we're bozos trying to be better sounds about right good yep <laughs> okay so today we're mixing it up sort of mm-hmm. where i am going to interview you micha i'm up for it good yeah we do it even if you weren't <laughs> i drag you through it sounds um, important <clears throat> it is important i agree so, what what is the first thing that you'd want folks to know about you in terms of how you find yourself here in this moment in time? I'm working it out. Okay, can you say more? I'm working it out. I mean, what I mean by that is I am actively, humbly, mindfully... Um, doing what I can to improve upon my bozo, if that makes sense, or my doofus. <laughs> yeah. I think we decided it was you were the doofus and I was the bozo. Yeah. Even though yeah. I can identify sometimes with either. I, I, yeah. I've been a bozo. I've been a doofus. Um, and, you know, it's good. It's important to come to terms with that, admit to that, and then... What are we doing here? I feel like let's let's mm-hmm. see what it takes to approve upon that. Great. Yeah. <clears throat> and I uh I just thought of an alternate name that we could have chosen instead of the better bozo. What's that? The deeper doofus. The, yes, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. The deeper doofus. Welcome to the deeper doofus. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's not bad at all. Well, we're sticking with better bozo. For now. Yeah. Yeah, for now. It's good. It, it's uh, interchangeable. It is interchangeable. And sort of at the heart of the better bozo is the deeper doofus. Yeah. And one of these days we can commit to paper a definition of both. That's a great idea. What does it mean to be a doofus? Yeah. Or a bozo. Yeah, this feels important. I, I think I mentioned to you, but I'll mention it now, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts and also discussion for anybody who's listening. Um, my partner, who identifies as a woman, female woman, mm-hmm. said to uh, female friends of hers the name of our podcast, and they all had this this reaction of, oh no, why did they do, oh, bozo, why do they, why are they calling men bozos? And they just really didn't like it. Uh-huh. And uh, on the one hand, I loved that that was true because, hey, they felt something. That's cool. It pushed a button. It pushed a button. Did it push a button about their bozos? That's the question, Or right? did it push a button? What button was pushed? These are questions I don't have answers to. I only have stories, and it could certainly be that they don't want their men to be characterized as bozos because they want to be in a relationship with men. 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 Who are not bozos. Not the non-bozo men, which, by the way, 
I don't think exists. Ooh, all right. Now there is a foundation for a conversation. Yes. I would like to be a man. Mm -hmm. For whatever that means. That yeah. can be, you know, we can unpack that for hours probably um, and not a bozo. But I think it's important for me at, I think it's important at any stage of life, actually, um, in the current paradigm, hmm. which feels still very oppressive, still very supremacist, still very patriarchal, mm -hmm. um, to identify that as a male-bodied cisgendered man... In today's moment, mm -hmm. um, that I was not brought up as the ultimate person I'd like to be. I, I was, was raised in context. Mm -hmm. Personally, I spent time serving in military, occupying lands, yeah. enjoying privilege, and not really knowing, fumbling through, um, not not recognizing the levels of you know, this is a conversation we have often, the levels of privilege that I yeah. experience. And as such, I think I can identify as a bozo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got the street cred. I got, I, it is what it is. And so on yeah. that level, I feel like that's where our conversation is at. Yeah, I appreciate that. It feels like an important clarification we'll probably need to keep making mm -hmm. as we define what this is and what we're up to and why the name and, and, and what that really means, because I'm in a similar camp as you of, of part of, for me, uh, evolution, healing, reparation, uh, shifting a paradigm is realizing where the hell we come from. Uh-huh. Like for me, my, my super quick soundbite story is I grew up in a predominantly white small town of 3000 people in one stoplight mm. that had 25 churches and wow yeah and sort of the w typically one person of color per year uh -huh. that changed uh -huh. from year to year and so i didn't know the privilege i was swimming in yeah it was just oh yeah this is how life is very small minded very small town very conservative I, yeah, I can relate to that on my end, a very uh, somewhat, you know, different story. But at the same time, I think the experience and the takeaway as to how I walk down the street, how I walk into a room, yeah. Yeah. Um, how I, uh, how, what kind of relationships I have with people, other guys, mm -hmm. um, ladies, and anybody on the spectrum in between. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else is it occurs to me to share? Well, I get curious, Mika. Like, I know about you, but the people that are listening don't know about you. So, I, to expand on my question from before, mm. maybe just a little bit about your history and why why you're doing this with me right now. Like what has you giving a shit? What are you for that has you participating in this particular project? Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, a little bit of background born mm -hmm. and raised in Jerusalem, Israel. Yeah. Uh, now I know as occupied Palestine. Um, grew up in the scouts, spent about 15 years in uniform uh, which is, I think, 
objectively, uh, a long time to spend in uniform. <laughs> I would agree with you. Uh, yeah. to, at the end of which I spent years in military service as in a combat unit. Um, during the second Palestinian uprising, known as the Intifada, the second Intifada was an armed uprising. I was a gung-ho combat soldier. I really wanted to serve my country and realized... Um, that I wasn't protecting borders. I was protecting, I mean, the, the, the terminology I, is, is a little more fleshed out these days, but something was really wrong because I was protecting Jewish supremacists in mm. um, what are called settlement, settlement enclaves as part of a colonizing effort that essentially goes on today, ethnically cleansing Palestinian from their indigenous lands. Um, so that was an understanding back then. This was, wow, this is, uh, this is 20 years ago. Um, but when I left the army, I, um, I think there's a sense of, um, and just for clarification, which army was that? It was the Israeli army. Israeli. Okay. Israeli military forces. Um, it became obvious to me that most folks don't, know the Palestinian experience and I, I, I I'd say witnessed but I was uh, um, you know practicing adult as, a, as an occupying soldier I didn't just witness but participated in the occupation yeah needed uh, wanted really wanted to come home and have poignant truthful conversations because I was raised to be gung-ho and serve in the military but the sense of justice that I grew up with in my family didn't, there's a, there's a cognitive dissonance. It did not make sense. Mm. Um, and I feel like since then, essentially, one way or another, I would like to reconcile this uh, cognitive dissonance that I think a lot of us feel around us is, you know, a sense of injustice, inequity. Uh, you know, we, we, we strive for... I. Would I, I think what I'd like to call collective liberation, it becomes very obvious to me that not until everybody's liberated am I fully liberated myself, that my liberation is, I think there's a, there's a quote by an indigenous uh, Australian woman who says, um, if, you're, if you've come here to help me, don't. Um, but if you come here because your liberation is interwoven with my liberation, by all means, we can let's let's work together. Mm-hmm. That's uh, I, I probably butchered that, but that's <laughs> right. That's the gist of it. And to be clear, when speaking about the cognitive dissonance, it sounds like you were raised in a house that prioritized justice, except there were these contradictions, sort of like oh, we want justice for this group, but not that group over there. Sure. So, yeah. About right. About right. Yeah. And I think that's true for. I don't think that's unique to Israel. Oh, it's nationalism, it's, right? Right. But yeah. it's also living in Boulder and realizing, oh, there's there's supremacy in Boulder. Boulder oh, wears right. spandex and meditates a lot, but yep. it's uh it's a it's a vastly predominantly uh white city. Mm-hmm. Well moneyed white Affluent. So in that sense, I feel like there's, you know, there's there's a dissonance here in here in Boulder and in Colorado as well. You know what I've heard it called? No. Boulder? Um, the Wakanda for white people. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Wow. <laughs> can you can you say more about Wakanda? So we all know what we're talking about. Have you not seen Black Panther? Oh yeah. I saw, oh right. That's from Black Panther. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh, so a bunch of beautiful people, all the same color. Well, also it's like I feel like it's um, it's this utopia. Mm. That folks in Boulder mm-hmm. tend mm-hmm. to, you know, we, wow, I'm from Boulder. This is amazing. Right. Look at me meditate and climb, uh, right. climbing walls and participate in an ultra marathon and right. train at 9,000 feet so I can go crush my opponents at sea level. I'm amazing. I'll be an entrepreneur and I'll create a thing <laughs> and I'll get, f- I'll get funding from a VC right. that will take my product viral. Right, right, right. And, and, and I think there's something to be said. One of the things that I'm most curious about, and especially when it comes to this dissonance, is this um, this experience of utopia that <laughs> many of us might experience. Like, oh, this is great. I'm walking up downtown, you know, Pearl Street Mall in Boulder, and it's somewhat utopic. It's colorful. It's lovely. <laughs> Folks are wearing fashionable clothes. Folks Lots are- of beautiful people. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then all around us, I feel like that people are experiencing a, a dystopic reality um, that we don't want infringing on this utopia on us. Whether yeah. it's homeless folks or, or veterans that I oftentimes identify with it when they're when they're at the at the junction asking for change, I'm like, oh, I can totally understand how yeah. life unraveled for you. I, I can relate to that. I can I can feel myself often being like, oh, three steps away from from unraveling in that same way. Or in other mm. instances, a dystopia of what it means today to have a family torn apart and children thrown into um, camps at the border. Yep. Concentrate what are now being called concentration camps at the border, thinking, oh, this is a dystopic reality versus the utopia that so many Americans are don't want disturbed. Yeah. And so that's a cognitive dissonance, whether Israeli versus Palestinian or um, the white versus person of color or male versus any other gender. Yeah. So that to me is I mean, that's a lot of lingo, lingo and language. Um, personally, why I'm here is because I, I got to say I'm confused. Mm. I'm personally confused. Yeah. I can sure appreciate and relate to that. <laughs> so I want to explore. I want to ask for help. I want to admit to being humbled, mm-hmm. um, not knowing all the answers, which is sometimes difficult for a guy to do. I'm supposed to know all the answers. Right. Let me tell you. Let me explain to you. Or the <laughs> Let term, me mansplain to you. Right. The term is man's Right. <clears throat> right. Um, and truth be told, I don't know how to fix this paradigm. Yeah. I, and on that level, I don't really know how to figure that out on a personal level, too. Mm-hmm. I, I you know how to handle my own finances, how to... Um, Keep up with a household, with a relationship. Oh, totally. What, what it means to be a son. Yeah. To aging parents. Mm. Um, you know, all these different things. I have I really I I feel like so many of the so many of the understandings that were passed on to me are uh, what are we gonna say? At 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 best 
they're not relevant so much anymore. At worst, they're destructive, supremacist, <laughs> right. misogynist, like terrible things to perpetuate. <laughs> totally. So I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, we're going to yeah. have to figure this out some other way. Yeah. <clears throat> One of the questions I struggle with in regards to that is, okay, well, how do I honor those that came before? <clears throat> yep. Whilst also saying, fuck parts of your ideology because they do not work. Mm-hmm. That's really tough for me because my brain wants to click into the all or nothing. Either I become a zealot or I take out my machine gun and I just to those old ideologies so that we can move forward. Except that feels uh, bad, destructive, uh, not helpful, uh, all the things that actually might make me into the image of the thing I don't like. Right, right. So <clears throat> that's that's a central point of tension for me, speaking of dissonance. Uh, certainly there's cognitive dissonance, and I would say there's emotional, psychic dissonance around, okay, well, shit, how do I, you know, my parents are a great example. It's like, I love my parents, I always love my parents, mm-hmm. and I don't understand their lives. What on earth were you thinking? Yeah, right. Like, and incredible. They've been married 51 years yesterday, uh-huh. which blows my mind. What are you thinking? I haven't been. Yeah. What are you thinking? Exactly. <laughs> what? Uh, that's longer than I've been alive, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't feel like I can connect with them. And I don't think they know how to connect with me. And mm. It feels like this unbridgeable gap. And, and that seems to be quite common generationally. Sure. But also, I think, to bring it more towards, I think, also the larger uh, framework that you and I are in here, which is there are gaps uh, in many places, gaps of understanding, gaps in connection, gaps in generosity, uh, gaps in cultural awareness, sure. uh, all, all the things that you mentioned, like, you know, money, households, relationships, how do we be kind to each other? Right. Uh, how do we, how do we make sense of things? Um, that all feels so challenging and utterly relevant because shit is like you said, and I agree for myself, very confusing at times. Yeah. And on a level where I, well, A, I've been called out personally, but B, not to ignore the current moment, um, uh-huh. you know, whatever. For me, it was, uh, the Kavanaugh hearings were a big kind of yeah. trigger wake-up call, Me Too, hashtag Me Too moment, time's up. All of these different massive zeitgeist shifts, yeah. uh, I think, are Super. It's a where there's a moment that's happening around us where these gaps hopefully are being filled. Like I'd like to think that in ten years down the line, younger male bodied folks have a way easier um understanding through puberty into adulthood yeah. as to, oh, this is how to behave and this is how to not be a bozo. Right. I think part of what we're doing here is helping figure that out. Well, I think you're right. I want to go back to something you said about the Kavanaugh hearings because I I really struggle. One of my core defense mechanisms is skepticism mm-hmm. and and uh, not giving the benefit of the doubt and judgment. Mm-hmm. And I've worked really hard on them, and I still find my orientation is quite skeptical. Uh, so I have to really wrestle with that internally. And so with Kavanaugh... Mm-hmm. Um, I can logically see 
Wow, what a what a thing! Kind of like the travesty of Trump and the travesty of Kavanaugh and the travesty of this administration, the travesty of capitalism. I can see. Cool, it's being exposed for what it is, so therefore we can rail against it. It's kind of like we can't fight mm. an enemy we can't see, mm. and yet, yep, like with Kavanaugh, I remember that whole hearing of just of just knowing, like, of course this fucker is going to get confirmed. And and my wh- who gives a shit? What do I do now? You know, kind of a fuck it attitude. That's what happens for me, and I really struggle with that. And I know I'm not alone. Yep. And I get curious because you are very different from me in 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 the regard that you've spent most of your life giving a shit about things, where I've spent most of my life uh, only giving a shit about mostly me and the things that I think are neat. <laughs> <laughs> so so I <laughs> I get curious of so what what. Yeah, what do you think there? Like, what, what, uh, not necessarily to combat skepticism, but and in a way, it is combating skepticism. Like, uh, how do you make sort of the, 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 the pile of shit on the kitchen table into compost? Sure. Yeah. I mean, one of the, what I noticed about the Kavanaugh hearing more than anything, mm-hmm. there was a number of things, there are layers here, right? The first yeah. thing that I noticed was watching mm-hmm. these two archetypes, um, felt like, almost tarot cards that we can read. It was so simple to watch this, this, you know, um, academically trained, um, educated professor, mm-hmm. um, this woman giving her account, calm, cool under pressure, cool under pressure, calm and collected. Yeah. This is what happened. Courageous. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and her being torn apart by a panel of older white men and her remaining poised yeah. and just saying as it is. Right. And that was one thing to witness. And the other thing to witness was the guy who threw a temper tantrum. The man was insane. And what he was sharing, like, yeah, I like beer. And what, don't you like beer? So there were were two things that I noticed um, affected me about that particular moment. And every day there are different particular moments. This was just happened to be one. One was, oh, DC is flooded with... Women from everywhere, yeah. and I'm watching this on my screen. I am not, um, I am not doing what I can here. I'm passive, which okay. in some cases might just be fine because it's none of my business, and this might not be right. right. We can't. Place. We have to choose well. We can't fight every fight. But I'd like to know. I'd like to be organized. I feel like in that sense, knowing the, I love thinking, what is the potential? What are we creating? What does this look like in 10 years down the line? And in that sense, I feel like there's structure that can be in place as an organizer. I, <laughs> I get off on strategy. I love it when we're like, yes, in five years, we're going to be poised or next year by the election time, we're going to be poised mm-hmm. for you know, for the election, men will not let that happen again, or at least better bozos will be poised together to support, um, women and non-binary queer folk. We're going to be ready. And I like that. That's, that's something that I'm passionate about. The second thing that I noticed about the Kavanaugh hearings was, and here's the kicker here. Mm. I can relate to the guy. I like beer too. Sure. And I'm turned on when I'm intoxicated Mm -hmm. and 
I know that toxic now, masculinity. Now, to clarify, what does turned on mean for you? When I'm you're sexually turned on. I, okay, gotcha. You're I, aroused. I, I'm you aroused. Yes. More, your libido uh, is louder. And, and by the way, right, alcohol, we all know this, but it's important to say it's a depressant and it's a disinhibitory uh, substance. Uh huh. So we do shit we wouldn't normally do. Right. Which right. is the point. Yep. I think. I'm pretty sure that's the point. So that's the point. But yeah, I feel think different things. There's one thing to look at the Kavanaugh hearing and be like, oh, what a, f- what a fucking douchebag. Oh, my what God. What an ass. I can't believe this. Guy. I can't right, believe it. Right. But the, there's another thing to say, you know what? He, I am that guy. I'm a cisgendered yeah. white guy. I know him. Yeah. I know us and him and myself well enough to know that it's time to put my finger on the pulse and admit mm-hmm. that we've got work to do. That me and my yeah. buddies, it's time that me and my buddies got together and did something about that nonsense because that lady there, yeah. she doesn't deserve to be treated that way, nor do we deserve to have that guy as a Supreme Court justice. Right, and representing right. us. And in that sense, I'm kind of like, okay, this is... This is a role. This is what we're here to do. I mean, isn't this what we're here to do? It it feels like. Yeah. That's um, both. My parents are social workers. If that helps out. I don't (laughs) don't know if that's like a compass kind of thing or. Well, it sure is. I mean, we think about set and setting ends up being a big deal. I mean, part of why so many white dudes like you and me are clueless is because we get put in these hyper privileged, hyper entitled unaware scenarios. Right. So here you've got social workers, which by the way is hard shit. Oh yeah. Uh, it's, it's tough work. It's mostly thankless. It d- doesn't pay well. You have to pay a lot for your education. So we've got a couple of things going in your favor, like devotion, uh, not about the money, uh, actually give a shit about people other than themselves. And that's where you got cooked and which baked in the oven. Sucks, which sucks. <laughs> well, it sucks <laughs> that that's true. Right. Yeah. It sucks that social workers don't get paid much. Yeah. Yeah. There is yeah. a future. Well, so yes, you're right. This is not for Nobody's getting wealthy. Not doing that. <clears throat> That's part of the problem. But but to make sure we don't lose these points, I want to I want to reflect back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, the the part that strikes me, which which is on the one hand beautiful, on the other hand tough for me to swallow, is is when you said, "I am that man." Now, on the one hand, yeah, absolutely, I can actually, I'm with you. I, I can see where, yeah, yeah, I'm that guy. Uh, and that pisses me off in a way. And I also feel some shame around it of like, ah, oh, God, mm. what, like you said, well, what the hell am I doing? Mm. What am I doing over here being real comfortable sitting in my therapist chair and talking to people and, and not on some kind of front lines. I mean, that's part of why I'm here, but this, you know, it's not about me today, but so I can relate. And I also want to be honest and say, Ugh, God, that doesn't feel very good. Yeah. So the other part about mobilization and, you know, being able to relate, because I, cre- I agree, dehumanizing anybody is, is the opposite of what we're up to here. Yeah. It's actually humanizing and then also not, not settling for the behavior. That feels like a really important thing, right? Is that, okay, yeah, I am Brett Kavanaugh. You are Brett Kavanaugh. And he's not behaving well. And that needs to change. There's like a critical part of the deal. I mean, he's not behaving well, but he's also just reflecting. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is he's reflecting our current reality. 
than what we saw that day. And this is just one day. We also saw a crazy election of a supremacist, misogynist president. I mean, we, not to get not not everything has to be political, but these are good reflections to us as to what we let pass under our nose. Sure. Is this okay right. around right. us? No, we know it's not. We're outraged, but. I feel like um, because it's so easy when outraged to it, that's where the privilege lies. <laughs> I can I can turn that off actually. I can turn the screen off. I can go back to the kitchen, make something to eat, right? Drink a beer, drink a beer, or turn the Netflix back on and right. not pay attention to the yeah. fact that right. all of these different things are happening around me. Or I feel like um, whether it's Spiritual enlightenment or collective liberation. I come from a Jewish tradition of what we call tikkun olam. We fix the world. If that's not what we're doing, if we're mm. not fixing the world, and I like in the Buddhist sense, if you're not looking for enlightenment, you're wasting your time. And if yeah. we're not fixing the world, if we're not working towards collective liberation, also meaning my own liberation, yeah, I'm wasting my time. Yeah, wow. At the same time, this might be an escape route for me to not actually look at some of my own stuff. Like, how come I don't have my finances in order? What's going mm-hmm. on with like my relationship at home with my partner? Yeah. Am I going to have kids? What kind of father I'm going to be? Like, none of this is not to not to make excuses for like my own personal day to day. Like, how can mm-hmm. I? How do we do this? And yeah, yeah, I appreciate that a lot. I mean, the point is, and this is, I think, where. I know I get hung up and so many of the folks I see talk to get hung up is that our brains really like checking boxes. Uh-huh. Oh, hey, look, uh, I'm, I'm in a good relationship. Uh-huh. Check. Now I can go back to my corporate nine to five and, right. and work for the man and make lots of money and buy a boat and a second home. Cool. I'm good. Basically like I've made it to the mountaintop. I don't need to do any more personal work. Um, some version of what I hear you saying, which is, and I believe this, that, no, it's a journey that continues. It's kind of the point. And um, if, we, yep. if, we, if we turn the TV off and turn the Netflix on and we ignore the headlines and ignore the homeless person, um, we're exercising privilege. It feels like an essential thing for us to name and to pay attention to. I mean... The fact that we have that wherewithal to turn something on or off, to turn the volume down or to turn it up again, that is, mm-hmm. is I think, the essence of the privilege that I'm coming to terms with myself. Yeah. And then there's also a healthy balance. Um, I consider that a kind of a dharma. What does it mean to walk a path of solidarity? Uh, it would not make sense for me to give up all of my worldly belongings and tear my clothes and live on the street sure, and sure. work for only somebody else. It, yep. it, there's a, there's a balance there of, uh, how do I enrich my own life? How do I, uh, reach my goals while also, um, living this balanced lifestyle? And no, I don't know. There's a clear answer to this, to these questions. Should I be a vegetarian or a vegan? Does that make sense? Does it matter if I eat organic? Um, you know, what, whose campaign am I going to support? Blah, blah, blah. Anybody can come at me with it. I think there's a, there are more internal questions here as, um, 
I like the name of the podcast. <laughs> How do we become a better bozo? <laughs> yes. It's such a basic, like, can we at least improve upon? Yeah. That's where, you know, Christian's friends are kind of yeah. like, look, it's not about... It's how do we improve upon what is happening now? It doesn't have to be perfect. Well, it's never going to be perfect. Right. Yeah. But better. <clears throat> What's that? But better. We but can do better. better. And I like yeah, our absolutely. idea of inviting folks to learn, you know, how do you guys do it? Yeah, absolutely. There, there's some science that I appreciate a lot, and I'll probably be a broken record here and mention this often because it's so important to me. There's the notion of a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. Mm. And there's a professor named Carol Dweck out of Stanford that wrote a book called Mindset. And um, the concept is simple and powerful. A fixed mindset, yeah, I'm good. Right. I don't need to learn anything. Sort, mm. of, sort of the, that's the, uh, be good mindset. And if you're not good, don't try. Right. It's pretty defeatist and way less shit happens and way less gets improved upon mm-hmm. as opposed to a growth mindset, mm-hmm. which is far more about, uh, get better. And way more stuff happens, way more participation because we're not killing ourselves with trying to hit the bullseye every time. Yeah, yeah. It's way more about the process and learning along the way than it is about any sort of product. Mm-hmm. Products will come, but they're not the goal. Well, I love that. I love that mostly because it feels new to me. Mm. It feels like I was raised to be part of a fixed mindset. By 38, I'm supposed yeah. to have a, a house. I'm supposed to be married to a woman <laughs> um, and have 2.3, if not 4, where I come from, mm-hmm. children. And that's success yeah. and, and, and move on from there. And I feel that that is such not my path. I don't even feel that. That has not been my path. I feel angry with myself for having failed at, uh, on the one hand. And on the other hand, I'm like, all right, if I'm going to be honest with myself, I love the idea of humbly saying, okay, if not that, then what? And then how do I go about doing that? It's not an overnight. I don't get to take these things off the, the list anymore. Yeah. So if I'm not doing that, how, what does it look like? Yeah, I think it's... I think it looks better in my world. It's harder in a different way. It's it's because we've got to adjust to the thing you're talking about, which is that the paradigm of the fixed uh, expectation, mm-hmm. which I also grew up with, right? Back to the fish that doesn't know it's wet, mm-hmm. right? It's just the water it swims in. Um, in my experience, this other path, the growth path, the growth mindset, the, you know, get better, is really uncomfortable Mm. a lot of the time because I just want to hit a home run and trot around the bases and be celebrated. Right. Yep. Uh, But to stay with the the analogy, uh, I'm probably going to strike out the next time at bat. Well, uh, for me, that kind of feels sometimes like, as opposed to being the macho white guy that I was, you know, raised... To expect to become. Yeah. Um, what if it turns out that I'm a faggot? <laughs> what if I'm queer and actually I really want to experience that? What if I love being loved? Yeah. What if I love loving and being completely out of that kind of scenario, but have never actually given myself the opportunity to explore that out of shame, out of mm-hmm. um, not 
placing myself in the right environment. I'm not sure how to coax these um, things out of me. And I'm hoping to find ways to do that. Places, people, uh, conversations to do that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm hoping we do here. The other thing that I was hoping, and I called you about this this week, and I was like, how about we discuss agreements? Mm -hmm. How about we go, we work on like some basics. Can we agree that like we don't cat call? (laughs) For example, can we just reach this basic agreement? No. (laughs) Woohoo. Hey baby. None of that. We're not honking it at at anybody. We're not, we're not doing that. Smile baby. Can we, can we, can we dissect that, understand why we're not doing that and then make an agreement? Well, and this is key, right? And here's a, here's a big, for me, a a huge, uh, essential when it comes to change is that we actually make conscious agreements. Uh-huh. Uh, cause it's so easy in my experience to fall into that punitive, reductive, uh, just be a good boy. Oh no, I want to tear it apart. Yeah. 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 Cause, cause being a good boy goes both directions. It's like, you can be the sort of obedient, good boy. And then you can be the sort of quasi conscious, aware, good man. Yep. I would never do that. You know, it's like to your credit saying, I am Brett Kavanaugh. Uh-huh. Well, that makes my stomach turn upside down and I want to throw up in my mouth if I think of me as Brett Kavanaugh, really that's the work. He's like, oh yeah, I can relate to, and this this feels key too, is that I can relate to aspects of Brett Kavanaugh yep. in myself, yep, yep. which I absolutely can. And I imagine, I'm going to say pretty much everyone can if they're trying even a little bit to search their own heart, their own mind, their own body, their own experiences for their whole lives. They'll have people like him in them. I would say what you're referring to now, and this is an agreement that I think we might be able to make already, mm-hmm. is unless we're actually speaking from uh, uh, you know an authentic place in ourselves and in an integrity, yeah. which means I got look, I got to admit, I can relate to Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, I am a bozo, have been a bozo. <laughs> um, And if I'm going to approve, if we're going to improve upon ourselves, I think it's important that we agree that the explorations that we do here come from a place of integrity. Agreed. And just to set that frame a little more, what I think the edge for me there is that, and we talked about this um, after we interviewed our first guest, Ariel Vagosin, who was lovely, um, and we'll probably have her back on, is that... It's going to be uncomfortable for me and and often is to be in integrity because that'll mean things like, oh, actually, I can't relate to what you're saying and I feel a little like an idiot or "Mm, I'm actually judging you right now or like all the kind of uglier aspects of my personality, uh, my character, whatever we want to call them, Mm. that I'm going to have to name them Mm. sooner and more often. So it's not just, uh, hey, we all get along and don't we agree? What a great idea. Of course I agree. Yes, it's common sense. No, it's not common sense. No, it's it's exactly the point. Yeah, this is problematic. Now I've just gone into the consent conciliatory, uh, capitulative, just, okay, I don't want to ruffle any feathers, so right. I'm going to say, yes, that's a terrible thing to do. You're I would right. never do that. No, no. Oh, I so support you, and to hell with all those assholes. Right. But, but, but that wouldn't be an integrity. Correct. Right. I think it's a, so yeah, I think there's something for us to 
Also bring into the picture, in many ways, this podcast is a little bit of an aquarium, and we're giving an opportunity for folks to look into um, and judge, yeah. and that's vulnerable. Right. Yeah, they could get pissed at us and call us assholes and say we're not just bozos, but worse, whatever that looks like. Racist, supremacist, misogynist for oh, not right. understanding the X, Y, blah, blah of the <laughs> experience. But that's kind of, so let's, let's also agree. And this is, I totally going to be a, a hard one as well yeah. that we suspend the judgment. It's not ugly pieces of personality. It's not yeah. dark, negative pieces of personality. It's where shit's at right now <laughs> in our conversation. It's where shit's out Publicly in the culture, in the culture, Kavanaugh well, is yeah. a Supreme Court justice. Trump is the president. Yeah. If we can't take a, a moment in integrity and, and dissect it within us, it's going to be really hard to organize and strategize collectively yep. for everybody's liberation. It needs yeah. an internal magnifying glass for a second. I I so appreciate that, man. I mm. like that that concept and the visual of an internal magnifying glass. Um, one of the things that happens to me uh, when I will just take the president for a, a minute, mm -hmm. just a, an example of making a distinction that I think is maybe overlooked or harder to do uh, because of this black or white, all or nothing. Uh, if you're not for us, you're against us kind of mentality. Sure. Is that I'll, I'll watch Trump speak. And be uh, amazed at his, and I, I, I sort of cringe when I say this, but their skill there, his skill at being duplicitous, his skill at demeaning, his skill at intimidating, his skill at redirecting, misdirecting, uh, misinforming, and it all adds up to getting us all in a tizzy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And on the one hand, you know, I hate to use the B word like brilliant. Cause I don't, I mean, that's a, that's a word that gets overused. And I think it's a good example of now I can be pissed off that he's good at that and it's harming people mm -hmm. or I could just be pissed off at the whole thing. Do you see the point I'm trying to make? It's like, I can generalize and not see any value or see any points of relation in me. Cause I've got a shyster. Yep. I've got a smooth talker. I've got a salesman. <laughs> I've got a performer. Mika, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mika I love that shirt. Man. <laughs> that shirt, man. Wow. Does that make you look good? Even with the guac stain? Even with the guac stains, man. Uh -huh. Like that's actually more authentic. <laughs> and I think it makes you hipper than you were before you mm. spilled guacamole mm. on it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I, I guess there's that, there are points of relation when I can see what's effective, even if I don't like it, that feels really important. Like a thing doesn't stop existing because I don't like it. Sure. It actually gains power if I decide I don't like it and therefore I'm going to turn away from it. Yeah. Yeah. As I mean, opposed to saying, Ooh, I don't like that. And it's important to pay attention to that. So what I'm hearing you say is on a, either both on a personal level or on a kind of public exploring what is happening around me level. Mm -hmm. um, having a mindful understanding of what motivates for better or worse, mm -hmm. what pushes the right, what pushes the right or wrong buttons, what triggers um, the right or wrong responses, yeah. is uh, it would contribute to a better understanding of. Still, again, I consider it when when we're talking about collective liberation, we're including Trump supporters in there. Yeah, we're not just yeah. the, we're we're you know we're living in Colorado, knowing that um, you know we're we're 
five miles short of the most fracked county in oh. the country. Oh yeah. And um and that's real. We're 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 environment we're we're experiencing climate chaos around us. And that's also part of what is it going to take for feel to for people to feel confident enough in their own finances oh. um to not rape the planet for a short-term paycheck. Yeah. Um, and those are, these are bigger, yeah. con- you know, these are all conversations that feel like they weave into what it means to be better bozos. Well, yeah, it's, the piece that stands out most strongly from what you said is about the shared humanity. Like if, if there's a way that I can relate to Brett Kavanaugh or Donald Trump or, or whomever, uh, in myself, and this gets back to integrity, I know when I ask a question of you, like, hey, Mika, wouldn't it be a good idea if you uh, vacuumed my office? <laughs> you know, like that's a weird question because uh, I'm not asking you directly to vacuum my office. I'm suggesting it'd be a great idea. Wouldn't it be a great idea? I'm, I'm pushing you. I'm trying coercively pushing you into. Oh, I can almost feel it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, where's the vacuum? What a great idea. I don't mind. Yeah. Shoot, that'll be great. We'll all be happy because Jeff will be happy because it was a great idea, wasn't it? So that's not clean, right? Mm, mm, mm. That's an unclean energetic exchange. Mm, mm, mm. I am out of integrity. I'm being kind of dirty and a little slimy and a little from the side, uh, you know, indirect, passive, passive aggressive. Yep. Um, That feels like part of what we're up to here. If I see if I see it in someone else and go, ugh, and I have a big response, yep. then I that's probably something in me I don't like. That's typically how that Ooh, shit goes. Okay, yeah. That's a, that's that's honest. Yeah. So and it's a hard one to swallow. I still have a hard time with that. I'm like, oh that jerk, and I'm like, ooh, wait a minute. Ugh. Well, so here's one that I there's a spectrum it feels when especially when it comes to um I love the term a dharma of solidarity. It's one that I've been working with for two or three years around what is it, what is it, what is the right way to walk a path of solidarity? On the one hand, I want mm-hmm. to lock arms with the movement for black lives or mm-hmm. queer movement or Palestinian liberation movement and say, hey, I'm in solidarity with you and, and, um, And I've been learning uh, the very hard way that it's not for me to lead these movements. Mm -hmm. It is for me to support these movements, to be in solidarity with. And that's one whole paradigm. At the same time, the spectrum between that as a cis white man and the guys who were marking in with tiki torch torches in Charlottesville <laughs> chanting Jews will not replace us. Yeah. You know, these are these are what we've labeled as or not labeled they they've taken on the labels of neo-Nazi supremacist mm-hmm. um men, anti-semites. Anti-semites. Yeah. And yet at the same time I can't help but look at these large communities of folks who have elected a uh, president into office mm-hmm. and identify the fear in their eyes about the fear of unemployment, the right. xenophobia, replacement. the right. replacement, that this is what they were speaking to. And to a certain extent, if we don't organize on time to catch some of these young guys who are feeling lost, <laughs> who were thinking there's a war on men around us, yeah. which is real. Like, oh, I just recently heard somebody say that. Oh, um, yeah. I think we were together. Yeah. Then, then what are we doing? Because it's not for Palestinian queer or, or people of color to reach out to those folks. It is my role to be able to figure out how we do this better. Bozos need to, 
you know, this is this feels like part of the spectrum or the dharma of solidarity is the how do we figure that? And it's a shitty organizing job. The last folks I want to organize with are cisgendered white right. guys. Like you're the least romantic, least, um, <laughs> uh, you know, all it's just the least. I don't want to work with this, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got it. The, the message, the message is clear. Work with our guys. Yeah. And on that level, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is, I also have to say, f- waving the flag for a second, I, as a soldier in uniform, stood at checkpoints, mm-hmm. um, a racially profiling Palestinians, yeah. evicted hundreds of families from homes. Like I know what it means to be a supremacist soldier. Yeah. So there's a, it would be super hypocritical of me to point at white supremacy and be like, no, that's not okay. It's for me to need to say and remind our peers, Nazis were human, right. not monsters. Well, I was raised to believe that Nazis were monsters. I think it's yeah. really important that we bring that home and take a deep breath, look in the mirror and understand the role that we have to play on this as mindful, conscious folks. If we've recognized that, if I've had the opportunity to take a a deep, humbling breath and realize that that's a big, you know, I think it's part of what it means to hold up my piece of the sky. Mm. Yeah. That's big. Otherwise, what are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) What are we doing? It has me thinking of the Stanford experiment from a few decades back. Do you know about the... Is this the prison? Yeah, it's where they took just regular old college students Uh and put them in a basement of a university building and Uh had half the students play prisoners and the other half play... uh, Guards. Guards. Yep. And uh, everybody was shocked by the results with how terrifyingly quickly they fell into place where the guards were punitive and aggressive and violent Mm. and just utterly dehumanizing these prisoners. And the prisoners were, you know, partly dehumanized and took it, took it. They utterly took it. Yeah. Or they would push back and then get beat down and and this was in just a matter of days so in terms of what you're saying around you know it is hard to swallow even you saying it has me kind of nazis are humans it's like i know i know i know i know that's really hard (laughs) and there's a a brilliant uh so i i maybe we can add this in the show notes but there was a, a a woman who was on Russell Brand's podcast, and she's an author, and she actually interviewed for several hours the leader of the white nationalist movement. Mm. And she is uh, was born in Norway, but she, but but her her parents were Afghan and Iranian. I'm pretty sure. Oh. And so she experienced a bunch of racism and sexism in what seems to be like you know beautiful idyllic par- paradisical Norway um, but she's written these or no I'm sorry she's a, she's a filmmaker mm-hmm. um, and, and that was such a powerful mind boggling example of her not just leaning in but risking her life to humanize the very people who were dehumanizing her right right and what happened is that she would get these 
calls from a, uh, a couple of the men, the white nationalists that she interacted with, saying, you know, I'm leaving. And the reason why is that I didn't like how you were treated when you went to this rally in Charlottesville. And you feel like my friend. Well, it's, just, it's totally mind-blowing and also fascinating and confusing because, you know, they would cast out someone else they didn't know, but yep. because they knew her, they wouldn't do it. There you go. I mean, that was what was going on around, I mean, for the last few years, you hear about um, anywhere. I mean, there, there, there are in our communities and cities all over the country, in different diverse communities, there are um, folks, there are, there are Muslim communities almost everywhere now. And, mm-hmm. and for the most part, I hear people, I mean, when it comes to listening to racism and anti-Muslim rhetoric, mm. um, it's usually about the not... Our Muslims, the ones we know are fine. It's the rest of them around the country kind of moment. Right. Yeah, which is a a pretty tried tried and true xenophobic uh, strategy to mobilize people against a common enemy, regardless of who the enemy is. Right. One of the first organizations I founded was a crew called Breaking the Silence in Israel, Mm -hmm. ran out of the army, um... The point that we were trying to make was collected testimonies from soldiers across the board and different units who had mm-hmm. served in different areas of the occupied Palestinian ter- territories. Um, and and the, we collected so many testimonies to prove the point that the military and the political brass in Israel were making were was when when somebody would say, you know, that would wave a flag of a human rights violation, the politicians could say, well, that's just a, you know, rotten apple. Mm, that's that's right. we're the most moral army in the world is what uh, Israelis <laughs> tend to say about the Israeli military. And our point was to collect hundreds and hundreds of testimonies from soldiers yeah. saying, "No, nah, this is what it looks like to control a civilian population." You give Teenagers guns to control Palestinians. Mm-hmm. There is no it's not that they're rotten apples, it's the whole barrel is rotten, and that's kind of the yeah. point to the to the um to that experiment. Yeah. Um and I feel that. That's part of like, oh wait, yeah. I mean, to take that too far or not really is a reminder for me. I gotta we we need to be able to face these truths. Nazis are not monsters. Yeah. I mean well, it feels like, because what we're talking about, back to the notion of dissonance, mm-hmm. um, sowing the seeds of dissonance is a powerful tool to control people. Mm-hmm. It just is, right? If, if you get handed a gun as a teenager and you're told that a particular kind of person, a, you know, a star-bellied sneech to pull from Dr. Seuss. Love it. Is bad. Yep. Well, let's see. Your brain's not fully formed. You want to be a good boy or girl, so you hold this rifle against the star-bellied sneeches, right? Oh, man, I wore my first uniform in the fourth grade. Yeah. I mean, I was ready and gung-ho to point my weapon at a sneech. Yeah. Way early. It's fascinating, speaking of dissonance, like my dad was in the Navy, and so my experience of, of people in the military was not good, because he was not very nice. He was often very mean and violent. Mm. And so I, the dissonance I hold is that, oh, that's very bad. 
that's a terrible thing to be in the military. I will never do that. Mm. And yet it was still attractive to me. Um, and then the notion of serving for something larger than oneself is very attractive. A la the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell, but that's not mm-hmm. the way it's presented. Right. But we are talking about archetypes. We are talking about, uh, these deep mythological, uh, I think, truths about what it is to be a good and valuable human in the world. It's really, I think, seductive and dangerous in that sense. I think there's a fear. I can feel a little fear in me. Uh, You know, this, this primordial, is somebody judging me? Am I wasting my time? And I masturbating in a corner somewhere with all my self-righteous friends um, and not actually getting to live the good life that I could. Um, yeah. Part of the exploration. Yeah. I want to go back and, and to, to, Make sure we know what we're talking about. Because you mentioned the term a dharma of solidarity, and you mentioned the term dharma a couple of times. And mm-hmm. I know Buddha, dharma, sangha, um, loosely having studied Buddhism, but what does dharma mean for you? And what's a solidarity of whatever dharma means to you? Yeah, dharma, for me to use the term dharma of solidarity may, may well just be appropriative in it as itself. It is not my word. It doesn't come from my culture. If I were to borrow from... Or I don't need to borrow. If I were to use my own Jewish um, lexicon, it would be the halacha of solidarity, the way, <laughs> the Tao, the Sharia, the um, the gospel uh, of cool. what is what does it mean to walk this path? And I think to a certain extent, um, the core teachings of oh, I'd like to think that the core teachings of most. Um, religious doctrines actually do speak to uh, 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 this exact notion of mm-hmm. personal enlightenment or personal or, or collective liberation. I'd like to stick more with collective liberation. I think, um, yeah, there's so much that's so juicy to work with. Um, I, I, I feel like part of the, uh, I have had in my lifetime the privilege of jumping back and forth from spending time at the Llama Foundation down in New Me- northern New Mexico, for example. It's a it's a, a Sufi center dedicated to spiritual enlightenment through uh, not just Sufism but Kabbalah and uh, and, and Buddhism and. Um, and, and Christ teachings, and it feels very much at this point to me that the folks who have the privilege to drop out of life, grow their hair long, and wear wavy clothes, and spend time at this kind of place are going to be, for the most part, privileged white folks. Right. I've also had the privilege on the other side um, of... Standing shoulder to shoulder on front lines with movement for black lives and Palestine liberation and, mm-hmm. and, and trans and queer uh, rights campaigns. Yeah. And it feels to me like a, a dharma of solidarity helps the folks on that meditation cushion up off the cushion yeah. to the front line. And the folks on the front line, hopefully, down to what we call the meditation cushion mm-hmm. and, a, and, and a kind of hopefully a connection on those two levels. That to me is an exploration yeah. of what is a Dharma of solidarity. That's the conversation I'd like. That's what's alive I'd, for me. That's what I'd like to be exploring. Yeah. Thank you, man. It feels like back to balance that you mentioned a while back that 
we can do too much of a good thing. You know, mm. if we're always on the front lines, uh, we're going to burn out. If we're always in the cushion, we're probably being indulgent. Yep. You know, it's somewhere in between. I like to think, I often think of it's easy to meditate up on the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. But the work is in the village. Yeah. Being with the people, begging for rice, going door to door, right? Whatever it looks like. I mean, at this point in time, knowing all the different enlightenment centers across the country, Arizona, New Mexico, um, if you're not opening your doors to the folks stuck in concentration camps, the, mm. the refugee families at the borders... What liberation are you working towards? I would say you're not. And that's most likely that cult of the individual, which is another thing that feels like I've got two topics coming up. One is cultural appropriation and the cult of the individual mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that feel like uh, really juicy and important for us to to dig into and, and navigate some of the questions and the, and the uh, intrinsic conflicts within those um, yeah, those areas, those challenges. Yeah, that's feel that feels alive. That feels like the conversation that not just you and I are having. It feels like the conversation that's called to be had. Let's do it. Let's let's and and what I'd love for us to do as we do that is you know hand the microphone to folks who are doing a kick-ass job. Mm-hmm. Learn hear a little bit about what they're doing. Learn from them, and hopefully build off those basic agreements. That seems like, uh, oh, I'm super excited about that, man. This is awesome. I'm, I'm all about it. And if anybody's like, oh, my God, that fucking doofus, by all means, you know, drop a line. Sure. Share your uh, truth and uh, we'll, um, I, don't, I can't guarantee we'll correct course, but we'll definitely be mindful of um, well, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And I think that one of the keys back to agreements here, and this is true of, I think, any relationship, both parties or all parties involved have to be willing to listen, willing to try to get the other person's world and also speak their truth, mm-hmm. not at the cost of anyone's safety. Um, you know, so if someone wants to call you out, uh, do so in a respectful adult way, <laughs> not anonymously behind a pseudonym. You're an idiot, douchebag, get a life, click yep. anonymous comment. Sure, sure. No, offer intelligent, useful feedback. That's the thing that you and I work with in men's groups and, and facilitation is how to actually say something useful yep. and intelligent. Use I statements, uh, own your shit while calling somebody on theirs. Okay. That's the deal. I like that. Yeah. That's a good agreement. That is a good agreement. That's a good agreement. We're going to work that agreement. So. I do. I like that a lot. Yeah. And then there's a, yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Well, this has been a rollicking uh, hour plus, man. Has it? Yeah. Ah, It's amazing. Once you're like on it, time (laughs) flies. I agree. Uh, And I think we'll maybe pause here and, and if that feels all right. Sure. There's more we could say, and we will. So much. We'll get there. Yeah, and this is good stuff, man. Good. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Some more again soon, please. Yep. This is The Better Bozo with Micha and Jeff. <laughs>